Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Second Timothy chapter number two in your Bibles. And when you find your place, if you'll stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's word. Second Timothy chapter number two. And we're going to begin in verse number one. I sort of wanted uh, uh, to preach a message to the ladies today, but that wasn't, that wasn't the direction that the Lord uh, led me this morning. Uh, honestly, my message goes right along with the ladies' song that they just sung today. And so I want you to look, if you will, please, at 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, uh, intercession. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place, aren't I? My fault. For one thing, that screen's bothering me, and uh, I didn't see that white stripe in my presentation. And so, I don't know if those guys know anything about keynote back there, but if they do, bump it over, Evan, all right? All right. Second Timothy chapter two, I'm sorry, we're in the right gear now. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Can we go back today and read verses three and four together? Let's let's do that together. Verse three, ready? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And also verse number four. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so very simply this morning, I want to talk to you about a good soldier. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. It makes me feel so much better. You may be seated. And boy, there's a lot of parts that go into this service. I promise you that. I want to talk to you about what it means to be a good soldier today. And how many fellows, by the way, or ladies, how many folks have served in a branch of the military? And you'd raise your hand if you've served in a branch of the military. Wow, quite a few. And so we want to say thank you for your service. Thank you for your service to our nation. Uh, what, for what it's worth, we're very pro-military at Calvary Baptist Church. And uh, we back our blue as well. And, uh, but I want to talk to you about what the Bible has to say about a good soldier. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. We'll jump right into it. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary. Wow, Lord, what a service. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, not, not only has everything been done right today, but Lord, there's the spirit of the Holy One is here. And Lord, we could come in here and try to do everything right, but if the spirit of God is not here, Lord, that's what makes the difference. But I do believe at the same time, Lord, that you bless preparation. And so, Father, we've, we've, we've made an attempt. We haven't got everything right, but we've made an attempt. And I pray that you'll bless our efforts today, and I pray all that's done would uplift the name of Jesus. Lord, as the ladies so wonderfully sang, 
May everything we do at Calvary Baptist Church, everything we do, may it be for the cause of Christ. He is so deserving. He is so worthy. Lord, he's so worthy. Father, I pray that, and you've blessed the music and the singing and the fellowship, and for that we're so appreciative. And now, Lord, I pray that you'll bless a few moments of Bible preaching. And I pray, God, that you'll bring the increase. Speak to our hearts. Help us, I pray. Challenge us really good, Lord. And I pray that Christ will receive all the glory and praise from all that's done. Save the lost. Encourage the saved. Help us, we pray, Father. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. As we begin by way of introduction this morning, I, I definitely believe that there is a very apparent implication or application, whatever you want to, however you want to put it there. But I believe there's definitely something very apparent here as we read our scripture. And the thing that is apparent is this, that at times the Christian life is going to come with its fair share of battles. When the Bible's referring to the Christian as a soldier, you notice this morning, I'm sure that it's very quick to mention the word war. Look, if you will, at first, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says to this younger man in the ministry, he said, no man that warreth, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You don't have to turn back there, but in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 18, and Paul said it like this, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. And then we go back to 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, and Paul challenges the church of Corinth in verse number 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons are of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now I said that to say this, that living the Christian life is not always going to be easy. There's going to be some opposition. And if someone told you that once you get saved, that all your problems go away and uh, uh, all the troubles go away and evaporate and everybody's going to be for you and everybody's going to be in your corner. Uh, I don't know who told you that, but they didn't tell you the truth. Uh, living the Christian life comes with its fair share of opposition. And, uh, and it comes with what we would call some, some kickback. Not everybody's going to be uh, in your corner. I remember when we first came to Calvary, uh, I cannot believe that uh, in April, uh, or really, I guess May the 1st, I guess May the 1st, or the, the first week of May, uh, the church uh, officially brought us on as pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church. I can't believe that's been 30 years ago, but when we first came to Calvary, it became pretty evident pretty quick that not everybody was excited about what we were trying to do. And we had some folks that came and they, they let it be known that they weren't excited about change. They didn't want the church to change. And I'm gonna be honest, when we first came, we tried to change very slowly, which is something you ought to do. We didn't try to make 
tons of changes when we first came, but as we begin to, to try to change some things and begin to try to direct the ministry in a certain way, we had people came and, and let us know that, uh, that they weren't uh, enthused about that. I had uh, older men, by the way, uh, that I respect, but older men that came uh, and let us know that our style of ministry would not work. What you're doing, the way you're trying to minister, the way you're trying to, to build the church and grow the church and the way you're trying to preach, uh, that may work somewhere else, but that won't work in Chicago. In a, that will work in Union Grove. It may work in Chicago, which is where we just came from, but it won't work in Union Grove. Look around. I think it's working. I think the Lord is, is honoring that. We had folks we first came in those first years and I'm sure they meant well, I, I have no idea, but people that would leave these little disgruntled notes taped around the church just to let us know that you won't make it here. You won't last here. You're not gonna stay here. And we'll be here after you're gone. And they would leave those little notes in convenient places to try to discourage us and to try to convince us to leave. Now, again, I just said that to say this, don't be deceived into thinking that everybody's going to be enthused about what you're doing for Jesus Christ. Not everybody is for the cause of Christ. Not everybody's gonna like your enthusiasm. Not everybody's gonna like your zeal. Not everybody's going to like your excitement and your dedication. And, and just, to, just, to, just to put the, the jelly down on the bottom shelf and just to make it very, very clear uh, that when you strive to be a good soldier for the faith, to be quite honest, I, let me tell you what happens. It brings conviction. It brings conviction. Because if you're serving Jesus, that means that people that know you can serve Jesus. And if you get back in church and get your life straightened up, well, that tells them that I could get back in church and get my life straightened up. Can I get an amen right there? And so what you're doing and the way you're living and trying to, to, to do for Christ, trying to serve the Lord, trying to be faithful, uh, it brings conviction in the lives of others, into the lives of uh, sometimes even family members. Uh, and so I, I just want you to understand that, that living the Christian life comes with its fair share of problems and oppositions. But the Bible says that we're to be a good soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, I like that. I want to take just a few minutes this morning, if I could, and I want to give you some things, and I believe we find them right here in Scripture, but some things that identify a good soldier. Number one is the word endurance. Endurance. Now, it's right there in your Bible. Look, if you will, at 2 Timothy chapter uh, number two and look at verse number three. And Paul says to this young uh, Timothy, he says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, you don't have to turn over there, but 2 Timothy chapter four, verse number five, Paul said, but watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Merriam Webster's dictionary defines endurance as the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. The ability to withstand. The ability to withstand. Boy, if there is an attribute that we're missing in this generation, it's endurance. It's endurance. Not just with church, with anything. 
Endurance in marriage, endurance on your job, endurance with problems, endurance in your family. And so the Bible says here that that part of being a good soldier is enduring, but there's problems, you endure. But there's afflictions, you endure. But there's a storm, you endure. But there's disease, you endure. And so we are to endure as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And by the way, Calvary Baptist Church, I thought about this, endurance, endurance is made possible through training. I'm going to think about that word endurance. I'm going to think about endurance test. You've heard of an endurance test. Uh, you, especially you folks that raised your hand just a moment ago, you know what I'm talking about. It's at least part of the reason that new recruits are placed into something called basic training. Basic combat training. Anywhere from 10 to 16 weeks and during that time of basic training. I mean, man, it's something. I mean, they're running, they're climbing, they're marching, they're crawling, they're doing push-ups, they're doing sit-ups, they're doing obstacle courses, and then they do more marching and more running and more obstacle courses and more crawling. And uh, I mean, it's just working out every day, day in, day out, sometimes seven days a week, almost nonstop, uh, times uh, during the day, times at night. Uh, they're, they're going and going and going. Why? Because the military is trying to build their endurance. If they were to be called away uh, at a time of battle, they want these soldiers to be able to endure the fight, to endure the war to endure the battle. By the way, it's why at Calvary Baptist Church, we promote faithfulness to the house of God. It's why that you ought to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. It's why we encourage you to be faithful to revivals and conferences and special meetings. And uh, it's why we encourage you to, to read the word of God and study the word of God and get involved in a ministry and be here for the ministry expo and spend time in prayer. Be faithful in tithing and do extra and stay longer and arrive earlier. Why? Because these things build your endurance up as a child of God. And when the battles come, you'll hang in there. Endurance. Endurance. And how many know that those who normally do nothing but just sit, when the hard times come, when the battles come, they have a hard time, they have a hard time being active. Now again, it's important that we train. It's important that we're faithful. It's important that we're uh, you know, people come sometimes and they're like, wow, this is a busy church on purpose. That's not by accident. Uh, that's, that's on purpose. We do that because this is endurance test. Man, we're here to, to build our endurance so we can serve the Lord. Now, here's the thing. If you've trained and trained and trained properly, when the hard times come, guess what happened? You'll continue to do what you've been trained to do. And you won't faint and fall out by the way, which by the way, we're seeing that happen all over the place in Christian circles. That's why we promote what we promote. That's why we have prayer meetings. That's why we, we uh, promote special practices and, and ladies' meetings and, uh, and youth outreaches and youth meetings and, and all these kind of things. Why? Because we're trying, uh, by the grace of God, we're trying to build up your endurance. Uh, listen, endurance comes through training. When I was going to, to Bible college, I met a great friend. His name was Chris Teft. 
Some of you know Brother Teft. He's preached for us a couple times at least. Brother Teft and I didn't know each other before college and came to be great friends. And uh, Brother Chris pastors a church up in Boston, the Boston area now. And, uh, and uh, anyway, we would carpool together. We carpooled for several years, I guess. And Chris was a great guy. He later went on staff at the college there. And, and, uh, but Chris was, uh, Chris was a part of the 82nd Airborne Division down in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I remember often as we were going to work, we would be carrying on a conversation and I would ask Chris about his, his military career. And Chris was a good soldier. In fact, I, I really believe that Chris was brilliant. I believe he had a brilliant mind. In fact, when he was in Bible college, the military reached out to him and said, we'd like you to come back and be a part of a special, a special group. He did not do that. He stayed in the ministry and I'm glad, I'm glad for that. But Brother Chris would talk about he would talk about all the training. And I remember being, you know, so mesmerized. And I can remember asking Brother Chris, I said, Brother Chris, I said, tell me about the first time you ever jumped out of an airplane. And by the way, uh, folks, I have never figured out why anybody would want to jump out of a perfect good airplane. Amen, can I get an amen right there? Now, my little wife would jump at the, she'd jump at, you know, uh, at the chance to do that. Uh, and I'm thinking, man, I, I don't want to jump out. I want, I want it to take me where I'm supposed to go. I asked Brother Chris, I said, how was it? How was it? That, that first time that door opened up and then you had that parachute strapped on your back. And, and I said, what did it feel like when you took that first step out? I'll never forget, what, I'll never forget his answer. He said, Brother Steve, he said, we had trained so hard. He said, we had trained days and days and weeks and weeks. He said, they trained us on exactly how to jump out of the plane, exactly what to do, exactly where to reach, exactly what to pull, uh, exactly how to count. He said, they had, they, had, they had beat that stuff in our brain. He said, I'm gonna be honest with you. He said, the very first time I ever jumped out of a plane, he said, I never really even thought about it. He said, I just did what my training told me to do. He said, I was so busy. I was so consumed with, with step one, step two, do this. He said, honestly, he said, didn't even have time to think about the ground and how high we were. And here I am jumping out of this plane. He said, man, the training kicked in. And he said, we did what we were trained to do. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, do you know why we do what we do at Calvary Baptist Church? We're trying to build your, your, build your endurance because battles are going to come and problems are going to come and sickness is going to come and opposition is going to come. And we don't want you to fall out by the way. We don't want you to pass out. We don't want you to faint. We want you to keep serving the Lord for the rest of your days until the trumpet of God sounds. And so endurance, a good soldier is identified by number one, endurance. But how about this? Number two, a good soldier is identified by obedience. Now look back at your scripture, if you will, 2 Timothy chapter two and verse number three. Paul says, thou therefore endure hardness. And then he says this, as a good soldier, notice these words, of Jesus Christ. And so the Christian is not just a soldier. He's not just a soldier. He is a soldier of Jesus Christ. So that implies this, that 
this soldier belongs to someone. It, it implies this, that he is under the direction of someone that has a higher rank. Oh, yes, good neighbor. That he does. He's under the orders of a superior. And in this event, the superior is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many know that enlisting as a soldier and you guys that raise your and ladies, you, you folks that raise your hand, you know what I'm about to tell you is true, is that when you enlist as a soldier, you relinquish your rights. <laughs> and you make a commitment to defend the Constitution of the United States. You also make a commitment in that, uh, in, that, uh, in that speech to obey your superiors. You no longer do what you want to do. When you're a soldier, you no longer go where you want to go. You no longer just hang out where you want to hang out and show up when you want to show up. Obedience identifies a good soldier. Obedience concerning schedule. Sometimes the soldier has to get up a lot earlier than he wants to. Sometimes the soldier has to stay up late a lot later than he wants to. Sometimes the soldier has to stay up for several days in a row. Sometimes he has to work very long hours. Why? He's obedient in schedule. Now I know where, I know, I, I mean, I, I know where we are. And I'm going to try to say this kindly, but we're living in a culture that doesn't want anybody to mess with their schedule. Don't mess with my schedule. That's, that's, my, that's my business. Don't mess with my schedule. And I just want to assure you that I'm not trying to mess with your schedule. But he is trying to mess with your schedule. And so people say, well, you know, I would come to church, but that's my only day to rest. Are you a soldier or you're not a soldier? You see, when you're a good soldier, you have to be obedient in schedule. We're having revival and, and somebody says, well, you know, uh, pastor, I'll come on Sunday morning, but I can't come to revival. Are you a good soldier? You're not a good soldier because a good soldier is obedient in schedule. We are to obey. First uh, Samuel 15, 22, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Not only obedience concerning schedule, but how about this church? Obedience concerning uniform. There's a certain uniform that a soldier has to wear. <laughs> he doesn't show up in the morning for inspection with a pair of khakis on and some flip-flops and a tank top and a Bass Pro hat on. Well, Sarge, I just figured you'd understand. <laughs> uh, Sarge is not gonna understand. <laughs> You've seen those, those drill instructors with their smoking the bear hats. He, he's required to wear a certain uniform. His appearance as a soldier, his appearance has to meet a certain standard. It has to be worthy of inspection. Yes. He doesn't only have to shine his shoes. He has to shine his belt buckle. Man, he has to make, make sure that anything that's on his person that is shinable is shined. He has to make sure that his clothes are pressed. He has to make sure that he looks sharp. He has to make sure that he is worthy of inspection. And so should the Christian soldier have an appearance that stands out in this world. Philippians chapter four, verse number five, the Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. 
First Thessalonians chapter five, verse number 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. In other words, don't even, don't even bring on the appearance of evil. Somebody says, well, pastor, that's nobody's business. Well, it may not be my business, but I promise you this. If you're a good soldier, it's every bit of his business. I'm not your superior. He is your superior. And so if we're going to be a good soldier, it's important that we become obedient. By the way, wouldn't it be a great, great day at Calvary Baptist Church if we had some soldiers that just reported for duty and said, Lord, I don't understand all the orders, but I'll tell you what, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't understand everything about the schedule. I don't understand everything about appearance. I don't understand everything about standards and separation and all these kind of things. I don't understand everything about church and all that. But Lord, I know this. You'll show me. You'll teach me. And so Lord, I'm just reporting for duty. You just show me what to do. Tell me what to do. And by the grace of God, I'll do it. By the way, that'd be a great day. Obedience. 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 How about this? Obedience concerning language. Uh, again, I was just thinking about soldiers and I thought, how many know the soldier must speak a certain way? At times it's important that the soldiers speak up. Man, you seen how those drill instructors treat these recruits? They don't say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, no. What'd you say? Yes, sir. What'd you say? Yes, sir. What'd you say? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, sometimes he has to speak up. Why? He's a soldier. Uh, But I thought about this. At times, he must not speak at all when he wants to speak. When, When that drill instructor's got that hat and he's putting that hat right there on that recruit's head, He's bumping him on the head with that smoke of the bear hat. And that recruit wants to say, who do you think you are? But he doesn't. Because he knows the drill instructor will tell him who he is. And so obedience in language. He's to be respectful with his speech. He doesn't say, yeah. He doesn't say, whatever. It's yes, sir, no, sir, hoorah. Yeah, he's, he's obedient in his language. Oh, yes, good neighbor, this is helping us this morning. Yes. Ephesians chapter four, verse number 29, the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You say, pastor, I, just, I have a problem. I just can't control what I say. Well, that's why we're having endurance tests right here. That's why we have church. That's why we have the Holy Spirit because God's trying to make a good soldier out of you. And you say, preacher, I just have a hard time controlling my mouth. Okay, I get it. But this is what I'm saying. As a good soldier, you and I have a responsibility at times to speak up, at times to hush up, at times to talk respectful, to watch our speech, not to say the words we want to say and sometimes to say words that we don't want to say. But it's important that we're obedient with our language. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. Some of you, before you eat, you season your food. You make sure you keep the salt and pepper always close at hand. Some of you a little too much. 
You get ready, you take some salt and you know, then you put some pepper. We try not to do a lot of salt in our house, but we do, we do quite a bit of pepper. And you season, before you dive in, you season that food. You know what the word, this is so simple. You know what the word of God is telling us? That before you say the first thing that comes out of your mouth, take a little time to stop and season it and think, is this going to help somebody? Is this going to hurt somebody? Is this going to help the church? Is this going to hurt the church? Is this going to help my children? Is this going to hurt my children? Is this going to help my marriage? Is this going to hinder my marriage? And take a little time and season. Oh, yes. Season what you're about to say before you say it. You say, Pastor, why should I? Because you're a good soldier. A good soldier. And so endurance identifies a good soldier. Obedience identifies a good soldier and we're done. But number three is this, allegiance. Allegiance identifies a good soldier. The definition for allegiance is this, loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior. I like this last part. Or as an individual to a group or cause. That's what the ladies think about. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Look what it says here. Very important. No man that warreth, here it is. No man that warreth, notice these words, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. A good soldier is totally dedicated to the fight. He doesn't get involved in all these other things that may sidetrack him or distract him. He's totally allegiant. He's totally sold out. He's totally committed to the battle, to being a good soldier. When I thought about that, honestly, the Spirit of God, one of the first things the Holy Spirit reminded me of was a man by the name of Uriah. Uriah was a committed soldier. Remember the story? David's messed up. He's got Uriah's wife pregnant. It's a mess. I mean, it's a mess. David's determined to try to cover up his sin, and so he brings Uriah home from the battle. And he says, Uriah, tell me how the the battle's going. He didn't want to know how the battle was going. It was a frame-up. Then he says to Uriah, Uriah, thanks for coming in, giving me a report. Go down and be with your wife for a little bit and sleep with your wife. And the Bible says Uriah wouldn't even go down to his house. He slept out on the king's porch, wouldn't go down to his house. Word came to David and said, Uriah didn't go home last night. David's like, do what? He didn't go home last night. So David brings him in again. This time David gets him drunk, encourages him to go down and be with his wife. And again, the Bible says that Uriah goes out and he he sleeps there on the, the, the king's porch and he won't go down to his house. Why? Because he said this, there's a battle going on. How can I go down to my house and sleep with my wife when my men are out there in the field and they're fighting the battle? What are you saying? He was totally dedicated to the cause of being a good soldier. Man, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we had some folks that were just sold out and committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad the ladies sang that song this morning. It goes right on with this message. Sold out, serious, dedicated, committed, committed. Some of you have heard this name maybe and some of you have not. Bertoldo Giovanni. 
He was a great artist. In fact, they said about this man that he was a pupil of Donatello. Donatello was known as one of the greatest sculptors of his time. But the thing I guess that's most well-known about uh, Bertoldo Giovanni is that he was a teacher and not just a teacher, but he had a very interesting student. His name was Michelangelo. Bertoldo taught Michelangelo. And they said that Michelangelo came in under Bertoldo and, uh, and at the age of 14 years old, and they said that the great artist could tell at the age of 14 that Michelangelo was incredibly talented. It wasn't natural. It wasn't normal. And so they said that he was constantly trying to push Michelangelo. That sometimes he said this, that gifted people are often tempted to coast rather than grow. And so he was always pushing Michelangelo, pushing him. They said that one day, the great teacher came into the studio and Michelangelo was there. He was working on a sculpt, uh, you know, and, but it was, he, he said it was, it was so much less than what, what Michelangelo was, was able to do. And he was working with this work and they said the great teacher went over and he picked up a hammer. And they said he stomped across the room and he took the, the sculpture that Michelangelo was working on, he took it out of his hand and he beat it into little smithereens with the hammer. And he said to Michelangelo these words, Michelangelo, talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. Well, it's true, isn't it? In other words, don't piddle around with this stuff that doesn't matter. That's where we are a lot of times in churches. People are consumed with things that don't matter. I'm not against you having a hobby. I'm not against you playing golf. If you like to play golf, I'm not against you uh, bass fishing. I like to do some bass fishing. I'm not against you, uh, you know, uh, enjoying the races and all those kind of, I'm not against any of that. But I am saying this, that those things ought never be the main things. We ought to be sure we keep the main thing. The main thing. Why? Because we're a good soldier. That's right. We're a good soldier. You say we're preaching the world does this and the world lives like this. Okay. They're not in the army like you are. They're not in the army like I am. They don't serve the greatest general that's ever been served. The Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, he is the host of heaven. Hey, I want to tell you what. Stay dedicated to the cause of Jesus Christ. When I think about dedication, And I think about allegiance. I think about men like Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson was the great missionary to Burma. And I'm I'm always challenged. Every time I read about his story, I'm challenged. Adoniram Judson was a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Totally dedicated to the cause of Christ. He was married to his wife, Anne. And 14 days later, (laughs) newlyweds, 14 days later, they leave for the mission field. They're going to the country of India. But because of different things that are going on in that country, turbulent things, they're forced to move over to a country called Burma. They begin to serve the Lord, begin to give the gospel. And not long after they were serving in Burma, they had a little son, eight months old. His name was Roger. 
And Roger, unfortunately, passed away. But Adoniram Judson and his wife Anne continued to serve faithfully. There was a war between Burma and England. And although Adoniram Judson was not English, <laughs> he had the same color, skin. And so they thought, well, if, if the English, we're fighting the English, you must be for the English. And so they took Adoniram Judson, a missionary. They put him in prison. And they not only put him in prison, but he was severely abused while he was in prison. Almost, almost pretty much starved to death. His body, when, by the time he got out of his body, they say he was so emaciated, his skin had become so thin that at one point they said that when Adoniram Judson took a fall that his bones protruded out of his skin. He, was, he looked like, he looked like a, a Holocaust prisoner. And they said when he was finally released, not long after his wife Anne became severely ill, and she finally passed away. That little daughter, her name was Maria. And here Adoniram Justin was on the mission field now. His son is gone. His wife is gone. He has this little girl. He's raising her by himself, Maria. But his fate would have it. Just months later, Maria passed. You say, Pastor, what happened to Adoniram Judson? He kept on serving the Lord. He was a good soldier. He had an amazing allegiance to the cause of Christ. Eight years later, they said that Judson married again and he and his wife Sarah served the Lord faithfully for a long time. And then, as fate would have it, Sarah became very ill. They did their best to try to doctor on her. And they were very limited there in that country and so their last ditch ever was, we're gonna have to go to America. If you're gonna make it, we're gonna have to go to America. They boarded a ship and they're, they're on the way to America, which by the way, would take weeks, weeks. And in the course of the, and this is, this is just hard, hard for me to believe. But in the course of them sailing to the Americas, they said that his wife Sarah began to, she began to feel a little bit better. Not well, but she began to feel a little better and Adoniram and Sarah had a conversation and Sarah said, Adoniram, you must go back to Burma. I'll go on to America, but my love, you must go back. And they made a choice and they put Sarah on a ship she began to make her way to America and they put Adoniram on another ship and he began to make his way back to Burma. By the way, Sarah never made it to America. She died en route. But that man just kept serving and serving and serving and serving and serving. And it was many, many years before they saw their first convert. But then all of a sudden people begin to get saved literally by the hundreds and then the thousands and churches begin to be planted and established you say, preacher, how does that happen? Good soldier. Good soldier. Easy? Man, not easy at all. Opposition, affliction, hardship. You can close your Bibles, I'm done. I found a statement this week. Sometimes a statement 
does a lot. You might want to write this down. Philip Brooks said this, it does not take great men to do great things. It only takes consecrated men. So I would ask us a question this morning. Are we good soldiers? Do you have a desire to be a good soldier? You know, it could be there's some here under the sound of my voice or some watching by way of live stream and you need to enlist. You say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm not so sure that I've ever really signed on the dotted line. I want to be a good soldier. Maybe there's some folks here this morning that during this invitation need to find their way to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, I'm signing up. Lord, I'm enlisting. I want you to use me. I want to do great things for the cause of Christ. Or it could be this. It could be that there are some here today who need to re-enlist. Re-enlist. Somewhere along the line, you sort of got away from it. Used to be fired up for the cause of Christ. You used to be serving Jesus. But something happened. And you started wandering away. Listen, I got great news. You can do a re-sign today. Not a resign, a re-sign. And just sign back up and say, Lord, mark me down. I want to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Lord, help us to be a good soldier. I don't want to be a mediocre soldier. I don't want to just be a soldier. Lord, I want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Lord, I've been in it for a long, long time now, but I still don't understand everything there is to know. But Lord, I do want to do this. I want to report for duty. And Heavenly Father, if you can use me, I sure hope you'll use me. Lord, show me what to do. Jesus, tell me what to do. And as a good soldier, help me to be obedient. Help me to be consecrated, committed, dedicated, sold out to the cause of Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Folks are making their way to the altar this morning. I'm so glad you're here. I wonder how many may be here this morning you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that right now between you and Jesus, would you just slip your hand up right now? You can slip it up and then you can just take it right, right back down by your side again. Thank you so much. What a joy. But I want to ask this. How many are here today under the sound of my voice? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I want to go, but I'm just not sure. And I care enough to at least say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm not embarrassed you. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down an aisle. I've never done that. But I would like to pray for you. Right now, you slip your hand up. You'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? You haven't raised your hand yet, but you'll raise it right now. Raise it high so I don't miss you now. God bless you. 
I see that hand. Who else? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not 100% sure that I would go. I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there one anywhere? All right. I see, yes, yes, yes. I see that hand. Thank you. I saw, I think, at least four hands. Is there anybody else? Come on, let me get you in on this prayer, okay? Preacher, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up. Just slip it up and wave at me. I will pray for you. Thank you so much. Hey, Christian, how about you? Good soldier? Ready to report for duty? You say, Pastor, is there any chance that there's going to be some opposition? (laughs) Pretty good chance. But oh, what a joy to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior and to serve Him with your life. We're going to stand this morning. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask some of our personal workers if they'll make their way to the the, uh, ends of the aisle here. And if you're here today and you raised your hand, if you raised your hand and you said, Pastor, I'm not sure that I am saved, I want you to do something for me. I want you to step out. We'll sing in a minute maybe, but I want you to step out. And these gentlemen are down here at the end of the aisle, and they would love, love, love to take this Bible and show you how to be saved. I promise you, we won't won't do anything to embarrass you. We won't make you give a speech or nothing like that. We'd just like to take God's Word and show you how you can know you're going to be in heaven, how, how Christ can be your personal Savior. And so I don't want you to wait. I want you to come. So, Father, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Thank you for all those that have already made their way to the altar this morning. Lord, I pray that this complex will be a place that's filled with not just soldiers, but good soldiers. Soldiers that are identified by endurance and obedience and allegiance to a cause. Oh, yes. Thank you, Father, for challenging me today. Lord, I received it while you were, while I was preaching. And I just thank you for the message. Now, Father, I'm praying for those that raised their hands and said that they're not sure about their salvation. They're not sure about heaven. And I pray right now, Lord, I pray that you'd give them a, a, I pray you'd give them a great dose of courage. And I pray that they'll come and let us take God's word and show them how to be saved. Maybe, Lord, maybe they would, would be helped if someone would come with them. And so I pray that they'll just say to someone beside them, would you go with me? But God, I pray you help them to come. Then I pray you'd help Christians to come and to enlist or re-enlist. Have that way now in the invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our